Welcome to another podcast from Fix My Project Chaos. My name is Elise Stevens, and today Bebet Ben Susan from MindShifts is going to explain how you can banish the chaos from your life. Hello, Bebet. Hello, Elise. How are you? I'm fantastic, and thank you for taking the time today to talk to us about how you can get control back of your life. You're welcome. Bebet, like you, you've probably seen some people that are not tracking well. Mm-hmm. You can see them, they look a bit beaten. But what are some of the signs that you may not be in control of your life? There are some couple of key signs that I look at. So the first one for me is your stress levels. You know, when you're overstressed or um, anxious, have high anxiety, frustrations, all of these things are indicative of someone who's suffering from lack of control. How all of these come about is that you don't believe that you have control. So when you feel that you're not in control of your life, so when you feel powerless, you're definitely no longer feeling in control of your life. So what happens is that, as I said, you'll be stressed, you'll be anxious, you'll feel great sense of frustration, but more than anything, you'll feel sense of self-doubt, you'll worry, you'll feel some sense of guilt, you embarrass easily. All of this tells me that you're now losing control of your life and you're not being positive or affirmative in the way you can lead your life forward. Another area is, um, as I said, there's a sense of disappointment, frustration, struggle, antagonism. All these negative things are telling me that you're no longer in control of your life. And I think that for project managers, it can be when you start getting pushed around by your project sponsor or your team or from other people within the organisation and you might have a very awful project to deliver that's not going well and so your whole self-worth is decreasing on a day-by-day basis. Absolutely. So I think what happens at the, the first level is, the worst level is you feel you lose, that there's nothing you can do that'll make a change. And sadly, what often happens then is you start to hate yourself because your self-esteem is so low and you're going to lose. There's nothing you can do, so your your self-esteem just plummets down. So there are things we need to do to get out of this situation. As a project manager, you need to acknowledge you wouldn't be in the role you're in if you didn't have the skill set. So, yeah, you know, While you feel you may not be in control of this particular thing, the point is you wouldn't be in the role if you weren't qualified to do it. And don't keep focusing on what's happened in the past. Instead, look to what are the things you can do to move forward. What can you do to improve the project? What can you do to help you become more in control of the project of what you'd like to do? It could be that also, you know, you might be having some assumptions uh, around the project. Remove the conflict due to the assumptions and interpretations you might have and and ask about it. Focus instead on the success of the possible project. So these are some of the steps 
you can use to get control back. Ask uh, what people are really thinking or saying and, and ask what they would do. Ask for advice. You know, you don't have to carry the world on your shoulders alone. Ask people, share it. It doesn't make you a lesser person by asking and questioning and looking at the assumptions. It allows you to uh, challenge the interpretations you have of a particular situation, but more than anything, it allows you to remove that sense of anxiety and hopelessness that you have around a particular project. What I've seen as well is that very confident project managers who know their staff and can do it, something will happen not necessarily with the project, but there'll be some shifting political dynamic that suddenly makes them question something about themselves or about their project. And, you know, you have to be really strong to be able to shake it off and believe in your yourself and your skills because it can be quite detrimental, upsetting to you to have people question your ability. Well, it is, and particularly if you turn it inwards. That's why sometimes if you've been doing a bit of this and turning a lot of it inwards, I can't recommend enough getting a coach, someone who can work with you, you know, working shoulder to shoulder to help you through the project. It may just be for a short while or you may have it for a particular purpose, but having a coach sometimes helps you look at things with a different perspective because they don't have the same commitment to the project, they don't have the same biases that you might have, and they might be able to shed new light on the way to look at things. They might be able to challenge the way you look at stress, how you get stressed and what stresses you or what frustrates you with people by better understanding yourself. There are a number of things that you can do, and and yes, it, it isn't easy to do it by yourself. Often you can't see your own blind spots. I know that I've had situations where I've been blindsided by things and I've used my my peers to yeah. help me remember, yes, I'm a good project manager and I can do this. And so you dust yourself off and you move forward. And conversely, I do that for people who are in my network too, telling them that, yep, they are the fantastic project manager they think they are and that, yep, understanding the political games that are going on and working out together or just being a sounding board for someone is equally as important. Absolutely. And and I think that they're great suggestions and strategies. So not only just a coach but, you know, your peer network can also help. The key, the key difference, though, in your peer network is that, um, and, and a coach, and this is what I find very interesting, is that a coach has no judgment while a peer network will bring their own advice and their own perspective to a situation. So you can balance both, but I agree with you, Elise, that being able to bounce off somebody, to be reminded that you are skilled that's why you're in the job to start off with, that you have talents. That's why you're doing the right thing. And, yes, that sometimes, you know, the political issues have nothing to do with you. You know, for example, 
we have certain things in our lives. We have a thing that I call the bales. And the bales stands for our blind spots. So there are things that we can't see. So we tend to whip ourselves about our blind spots. And then we've got assumptions that we make about the way things should be or the way we'd like to see things or, you know, someone who says something and you, you make an assumption around the project. Then there's the next one in the bale is the interpretations. Now, the classic interpretation is let's say you've got the CEO, you're working on a project, the CEO, and the CEO looks down, he's got this rough look on his face and he walks right past you. No hello, no nothing. And immediately, most people will interpret that and go, shit, I've done something wrong. No, maybe that CEO has just been told something by the chairman of the board about a completely different area of the business and is so focused in handling that. Or maybe their child is ill or maybe their wife has that morning said, I want a divorce. We don't know, but we make this interpretation that it is about us. And it's not, it may not be. And then the final one is the limiting beliefs about our own skills, our abilities, and who we are. So always when you're feeling down, when you feel your, your life, you're not in control, think of your bales. What are your blind spots or biases that you're making? What are some of the assumptions that you're making about the situation now? What are the interpretations you're making? And what are your limiting beliefs about yourself? And if you look at those, that might, you know, just give you some wiggle room to get out of and get back into control of some of the things that are around you. I agree. And I think that one of the great things that you've discussed in your blog post is about the practice of reflection. Oh, that's it. That's critical. And, and what happens? We're just so busy running from one thing to another or, or multitasking. And, and that's the worst thing you can do is, is multitask. It's, it's, it's unproductive it's, and it, it's damaging to the brain. Neuroscience is telling us now that if you want a healthy brain long-term, you need to be mindful. You need to do one thing at a time. You need to think about things. You need to reflect. Um, and if you don't give yourself that time and you just keep lurching from one thing to the next, you know, time will go past and you'll wonder where did it go and what did I do with it? And that's why they talk about, sorry, at least, that's why they talk about the regrets of the dying. Sometimes yeah. you need to make sure that you don't have those regrets that, um, you know, I should have spent more time with the family, I should have done what I wanted to do. If you don't reflect, time will go past and you'll be one of the old people again saying I should have done whatever it is. I also think a bit of meditation. Excellent. To, to clear out your brain, let you go to and have a good night's sleep. doesn't have to take a long time. No. It's not all this woo-woo stuff. It's just very pragmatic. Let me just think about nothing and don't beat yourself up when you can't think about nothing. Correct. <laughs> That's one of the great things that people think, oh, in meditation you're supposed to have nothing. But the point of meditation is that you do, your brain is working and you just have to say, okay, so you're thinking about something. Yep, that's fine. But let me give you 10 basic 
fundamental things that you can do to get your life back under control. That would be fantastic, Babette. So the first one is get sufficient sleep every night. One of the important things is that sleep is undervalued and it's yet it is one of the most powerful things you can do to make you feel more energised, more alert and more in control. The other thing around sleep, you need to make sure that at least an hour before you go to sleep, you do not touch anything or, or are involved with an iPad, the internet or your iPhone. <laughs> You need to break away from that to allow your brain to slow down so that you can get good quality sleep. Second thing, move. It's good for your heart. It's good for your mental health. Just move. Just move more. I have my computer that tells me the time on the hour so that I stand up on the hour and do a bit of movement. Third thing, eat less. You know, food is a fuel. Do your best. You're best off when you keep feeding your your body, maybe in small doses, but just maybe eat less. We overeat. You know, renew more. We're we're not designed to work continuously, and this is where you said reflection, Elise, and, and the meditation. We're meant to spend time to move, to renew our energy. So. A suggestion that I'm sure all of your listeners will have heard before, take a break every 90 minutes and just spend a minute or two just breathing deeply or moving or walking or doing something. You know, a fifth thing, invest in those you love. So it's better to be fully present with someone for an hour than distracted for multiple hours. Make sure that you're fully present to someone. And that means being in the now, being here with them, not thinking about other things. Secondly, be grateful. Give thanks. That's number six. I get all my clients to have a gratitude journal so that every night they write three to six things that they're grateful for that's happened during the day. I cannot tell you the power of gratitude. And studies are showing that the happiest people in the world are the most grateful people in the world. And I guarantee you that if you write a gratitude journal every night, just before you go to sleep, just write down three to six things that you're grateful for. I guarantee you in four weeks or even two weeks, you'll see a change in your behavior and in the life you've created around you. Number seven, do the most important things first. Early in the morning, you've got the most energy, the least distraction. So do what you've got to do on your priority list. Create it in the night before, before you leave work, write down the the most critical thing you want to do the next day and do that first thing in the morning. Do not look at your emails first thing in the morning because you'll get so distracted, you'll forget that your original objective was to drain the swamp. In the meantime, you're up to your armpits and alligators called emails. Definitely do that first thing in the morning and you can set it the night before your intention as to what you want to get done first thing in the morning. As you said, Elise, practice reflection. As I kept saying, you run around, we keep doing too many things, we're preoccupied, but we don't look at what it is that we really want to do. What is it that we want to achieve? We're so busy rushing from one meeting to another meeting, returning phone calls. Make sure that you carve out time when you go for your little walk 
let's say you're going to move on the hour, and you're going to go for a little 10-minute walk. Reflect on things. Number nine, keep learning. There is nothing better for the brain when you challenge it. Read a book or read something new. Just keep learning. Learn a new language. Learn a sport. Um, whatever it is you want to do. Learn how to do a new skill or whatever. Learn. Challenge your brain to keep learning. And finally, give back. Volunteer, you know, help somebody. You know, you don't have to do a lot of it. Give an hour once a week. Volunteer maybe on the weekend for a couple of hours. There's so many little things that you can do. But I guarantee you that if you do these 10 things or as much as you can of the 10 things, you don't have to do them all every day. Just work out what works best for you. But if you do most of these, I'm pretty sure that you will end up with a life that's in control and of greater value than one that is not there, that you don't have, that, that you just uh, race around from one end to the other. So I hope that helps. It does. I really like those practical 10 things that you can do. And the good thing is that you don't have to buy an app for it. No. <laughs> you don't have to buy any clothing for it. And they're things that you don't even have to do all the 10 at once. Just start doing one or two every day and then build up and then it just becomes enmeshed in your normal life. And, and you know, just write it down. You don't have to remember it. Just write down what you want to get done that week. So maybe that week you might say, okay, this week of whatever it is, I'm going to do these five things sometime this week. That's it. You don't have to make it hard for yourself. Yeah, just enjoy and make your life one that you want to live, not being the victim of somebody else's way of thinking. Choose how you want to live your life. And Babette, that's fabulous advice. Glad it's worked. <laughs> it works and I've been doing it for me, so I can tell you it works. Well, thank you very much for your time today. You're welcome, Elise. It's been a pleasure. And if anybody wants to contact me, don't hesitate to call me. My website is www.mindshifts.com.au. And, and I'll, I'll put a link from the post to your website. Fabulous. Thanks, Elise. Thank you so much, Babette. That ends another podcast from Fix My Project Chaos.